Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Sometimes, life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. But guess what? You're not alone. You may not know it now, but support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help find you a community at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com to explore the possibilities. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome to Seek Reality with your host, Roberta Grimes. Author and attorney Roberta Grimes will explore and illustrate how she, after an extraordinary experience of light in childhood, has discovered channels of communication to the afterlife and how these implications have an effect on our everyday lives. Please welcome the host of Seek Reality, Roberta Grimes. Everyone, I'm so delighted you're with us today. This is Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, and we have a wonderful, wonderful guest for you. We all have personal heroes, people that are legends in our own fields and that we, you know, admire and try to emulate. And one of mine from the very beginning of my doing this work just about is Michael Tim. He's a meticulous scholar. His six books on transmediums and other topics that date to the heyday of afterlife communications are beautifully written. They're classics, every one. They include The Afterlife Revealed, The Articulate Dead, Resurrecting Leonora Piper, that's a great one, Transcending the Titanic, The Afterlife Explorers, and Dead Men Talking. For some reason, I think I love that one best of all. But each of these books is a treasure. Michael was last with us several years ago, and I'd been looking to invite him back when I realized that the time had come because I read a blog post of his in which he claimed to have found a newly rediscovered book of early communications that's now his favorite early afterlife book, and that I had to see. The Survival of the Soul and Its Evolution After Death by Pierre-Emile Cornelier was first published in 1921, and it was reissued by White Crow just this year. It's an amazing 370-odd pages of communications, seances. It's just unbelievable. And Michael, you're right. This book really is amazing. Welcome to Seek Reality, sir, and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, well, thank you, Roberta, and thank you for all the kind words. <laughs> well, I, I I really want to talk about a lot of things with you, not just this book, but I really recommend the book to people. I'm going to include it in my uh, fun books uh, bibliography because uh, it's really a resource, on, and we'll talk about some of that. But first, tell people again, how did you ever get started doing this work? Well, I, I didn't have an NDE or anything like that. I did not have a sudden awakening. I just, uh, it was a gradual thing. I I was raised a Catholic, began um, parting ways with the church during my 20s, but after I turned 50, I still felt a need to believe in something or to identify with some kind of church and really didn't know where to go. Um, so the, the turning point, I think, was um, I, I was on a trip to New York. Um, I was coach of a Hawaii running team, uh, long-distance running team, and um, then went down, took a train from New York down to to uh, Atlanta, Georgia, stopped in Washington, D.C., found a book in the, at, at the train station there, Union Station, on reincarnation, and read that between Washington and Atlanta, and that just sort of whetted my appetite for the whole subject. I, after I got back home, I 
tried to find every book I could on, on the subject of reincarnation. And from reincarnation, I went to NDEs. And then from NDEs, I went to uh, mediumship. And then on a trip to the UK in 1999, I had a very interesting um, clairvoyant reading. And that further, you know, inspired me to look for more books. And it's just sort of grew, you know, grew out of that. I, I retired in 2002 and, and have had even more time uh, since then to read books and or to find books and read books. Well, you certainly are a scholar. I mean, many people uh, look for what's sensational uh, or just don't have discipline in their research. I try to be disciplined, but I tend to get kind of hysterical and excited about things. But you're always disciplined and you write so beautifully. I think that's, but you have, you have training in journalism, right? That's why you sort of are a good researcher and writer. Right. I, I majored in journalism in college. I was never a full-time writer, but I've done a lot of freelance writing over the years. Um, um, after getting out of college, I I was in the Marine Corps for three years, and when I came out, there, there were no jobs in journalism. That was when, this is back in the, you know, the late 1950s, early 1960s. Um, there, TV was, was just um, coming into its own at that time, and Newspapers were closing up right and left, so right. I went into the insurance business as a, a claims uh, adjuster and then a claims manager, and, and but I st- still did writing on the side and have continued to do it over the years. And then you discovered the early um, 20th century, late 19th century communications, as I did, and it's like it's a miracle. There's this fount of stuff that most people don't know about. Um, but I'm curious, why do you cut it off in 1930? I tend to think of 40 as my date, but why do you cut off in 1930 what, you're, what you study? Uh, well, it's really the early 1930s is when psychical research sort of died out and uh, turned into parapsychology. I mean, oh, we oh. actually have about um, four eras uh, in research uh, beginning 1850 to 1880 was before the or 1882 was before the society for psychical research was formed and we had a lot of research going on with judge edmonds and robert dr robert hare and alfred russell wallace and alan kardec and so uh, sir william crooks and so forth they did a lot of research before 1882 but then in 1882 it became more formal with the formation of the spr in in london and then in a few years later in the united states um um but they they, they were sort of you know by 19 10, 1915, they were sort of reinventing the wheel and going no place. I mean, they, they had figured out as much as they could, and then the pioneers of cyclical research started dying off in, in the 1920s. Uh, James right. Hislop, who was probably the primary researcher, died in 1920. Sir William Barrett died in 1925, and it just went downhill during the 1920s, and then in 19, uh, the early 1930s, that's when Dr. Ryan and uh, William McDougall and so forth um, started um, with parapsychology, and as you know, that the parapsychology just sort of pushed the whole idea of life after death uh, and spirits aside. They didn't want anything to do with that. Uh, they wanted to count cards and yes. and um, figure out if you know mental telepathy was a was a fact and um, or mind reading was a fact. And uh, they just steered away from the whole idea of, of life after death. Okay, well, that makes sense to me. Um, I tend to think more about the mediums themselves and the, those who produce this information. But you're right, it, it did die off um, with the, with those early deep trance mediums and the, the great communicators. So kind of sad, really. Do you know, do you have no, any no. insight into why that was such a heyday of communication, the latter part of the 19th and the first part of the 20th centuries? Well, supposedly the spirit world um, inspired it uh, because of the uh, of the uh, scientism that was going on at the time, but not only with Darwin in 1859, but before Darwin, uh, you know, the, the world was turning to science and and the whole idea that um, the Bible was wrong as, as far as how the world was created uh, just um, extended to everything else, and people just felt, you know, started falling away from religion. I understand that, you know, during the 1880s, it was probably the lowest point, and that's when um, um, 
the SPR was formed in 1882, and it gradually came back, you know, over the next 20 or 30 years. But uh, World War I uh, was a big impetus in that respect. But then again, after the war ended, we went into the Roaring Twenties, and right. people went back to their old ways. <laughs> Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's interesting. But you do think, I think also, that this was not something we started here, but that it was started among um, the people we used to think were dead, that it was important to get their message through. And don't you have the sense that they were trying to do that with with kind of special fervor around the turn of the century, um, at the same time that quantum physics was becoming a big thing among scientists, that they were trying to get the attention of science as well, to look at this New phenomenon too. Well, I I'm not sure about that. I mean, it was in 1850 that they um, made their main thrust, and you know, it just continued into you know into the 1900s. I don't uh-huh. can't think of anything in particular that you know happened in the early 1900s that would indicate that. But um, that there was a lot of spirit influence all along the way from 1850 to 1920. Right. Right. Uh, the sense I get, though, is that that, when, that one of the reasons it sort of died out is that the scientists started uh, with their their new uh, uh, fundamental scientific dogma of materialism, and they did not, they would not look at any of this, even though some of those researchers were kind of hoping the science. I mean, I think that they were trying. We had the, the 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 book tests and various tests to try to prove to scientists that this was real. They did seem to want to make an effort to prove that they were there. But then they kind of seemed to back off because the scientists just would not look at it. Very, very frustrating to those of us who know what a difference it could have made if they had actually looked at the evidence 100 years ago rather than still stonewalling it today. Right. There were, as you know, a number of uh, scientists who uh, agree with us. I mean, there's Sir Oliver Lodge, um, uh, Sir William Barrett, Sir William Crookes, uh, all British um, scientists, Dr. Hislop in the United States, uh, Richard Hodgson, uh, Frederick Myers, um, but they were just outnumbered by the scientific fundamentalists who saw this whole movement, the spiritualist movement, as going back to um, the superstitions and follies of religion, and they just didn't want anything to do with that. Uh, Which is unfortunate. You're right. Everyone sees a dichotomy between science and religion, when actually I see them as on the same side, and the truth as opposed to them, because neither of them, they're both belief systems, one is materialist, atheist, and the other is, you know, religious, uh, uh, you know, made-up ideas, but neither of them is searching for the truth, and that's why what you do is so wonderful, Michael, because uh, there's there's a need for many more people, I think, to be really open-mindedly looking for the truth, and then the truth will dawn. I sort of feel we've abandoned, and, and as, a, as a culture, the people that we used to think were dead when really they're as much among us as they ever were. Very frustrating. I, I agree. And then, I mean, the other point is that the psychical researchers were sort of caught in the middle because religion resisted them, too, uh, organized right. religion in any way. Uh, they saw it all as demonic, and some of the things that were, were, com- were coming out of the psychical research were, were conflicted with religious dogma and doctrine, and so it was all demonic. I mean, there were a few um, researchers who were members of the Church of England and and so forth, but um, the great majority of, um, of religions uh, objected to the whole thing. They do. Um, Religions tend to close their minds as of whatever their heyday was. You know, uh, uh, Christians, 2,000 years ago, we got the received truth, and we can't get, you know, God basically is not allowed to give us any more truth. And that's pretty frustrating to people who actually want the truth to be known, and Jesus being one of them. So um, this is... This is an exciting time for us to be alive because I think we are finally breaking down these barriers. I think science is about to give up because nothing they're doing really works anymore and and religion is is dying of its own weight. But behind mm. it is all this truth that you've worked so hard to put together and I I just uh, I I love the fact that you've worked so hard to do this but I know it's a lot of fun. It's been it's been the most fun I could ever imagine doing this for my whole life. I I agree. Um I see a little progress there, not as much as I, I had hoped would take place by this time, but um, 
It's starting. Yeah, it's starting. We're, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the different kinds of mediums with someone who really knows. This is Roberta Grimes' Seek Reality with Michael Tim. We'll be right back. you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes and Michael Tim, who is, I think, the greatest living afterlife researcher. And he came to it late in life, as other people have come to this late in life as well. But he certainly made up for it in uh, in, in a short time. Um, I, frankly, I'm surprised that you came to it so late, Michael, because I've sort of always, the whole time I've really been intensely doing this, I've sort of thought you were there and you were kind of the expert. So it's refreshing and the same is true, actually, with Craig Hogan. Craig Hogan came to this when he was 50, I think, and he's now one of the leading researchers as well. We all get well, I wouldn't call. My, I wouldn't call myself a researcher. I, I just research the research is what I do. I, I don't do any <laughs> direct research myself. But that's what's available to us now. I mean, because, as we say, the heyday is long past. But, right, the, right. The, but the great researchers then um, did some did some wonderful things and pulled it together in a very disciplined way. So we, we can use them as original sources in a sense. They're only once removed. And we're going to talk in the next segment about this book you discovered, which I had never heard of either. I don't know that anybody had it until it came up. But first, let's talk to people a little bit about the different kinds of mediums, because most people believe, seem to believe that they're, you know, spiritual mediums or mental or psychic mediums are the only mediums there are. You're basically mind reading with the dead through somebody else, which seems kind of tenuous to me anyway, and always has, and to many others too. But let's talk about what was more prominent earlier um, in, the, in the 19th and early part of the 20th centuries. Like, what's a, what's a deep trance medium? Explain to them how that works, please. Well, it's my understanding that the person actually, the person going into trance actually vacates his or her body during the process, and a spirit entity then takes control of the body and communicates um, uh, using the medium's body, vocal cords. Uh, that was the case with Leonora Piper, with Gladys Osborne Leonard, and a number of others who were the, the, the best-known researchers, uh, uh, the best-known mediums in the field at the time. Uh, Mrs. Piper would she'd fall into a trance within a minute or two. I, you know, I, I don't know how people do that, but um, she was able to, to just go into a trance in a minute or two. Her eyes would roll back in her head, and, and uh, she'd begin speaking in a different voice, which was 
uh, at that initially it was a spirit named Finay, Dr. Finay, uh, who would talk through her using her vocal cords and and would speak in you know a different tone. Um, at some point in time, after seven or eight years, she changed more to automatic writing, still in a trance, but she had no recollection of this. Um, you know what was going on the whole time. She'd come out of the trance. She didn't know what happened. So, you know, a lot of people ask. Um, you know, it was what the mediums thought about various things, but they didn't, most of them didn't think anything because they didn't know what was going on. They were the vehicle, <laughs> right. Right. Now, you know, the, the, the clairvoyant mediums that we see uh, here about uh, today, like on TV, um, the Long Island medium, and um, I forget the Hollywood, um, young boy in Hollywood, um, are the best known, I guess, but it's my understanding that they're not vacating their body. They're actually leaving their, their consciousness is going out of the body and exploring other realms so they're not taken over by a spirit entity as the old trans mediums were absolutely that, that i think is the, is the main the main difference and you know i read uh, there was some reference one of the older references said that clairvoyants are not really mediums per se even though we call them mediums but you know you can apply the word however you want Sure. They're all aspects of various kinds of psychic phenomena. And a theory I have is that one reason that people like these really great um, deep trance mediums were available then, and there were others beyond the most famous ones, um, was that during the 19th century, they would spend long evenings in the dark before electric light in the radio. There wasn't a lot to do at night, so they would get together have dinner, and then the men would go smoke their cigars, and most of the women and a few of the men would go table tipping in the dark. If you do enough of that, um, the spirits, which is something actually that Craig Hogan is working on now with his group, they've been doing it for, I think, eight or nine years at this point, and they're, they're getting all those phenomena. It's as if it's there in his house. It's still the 19th century. So you get to see that maybe that was why we had it then, much more easily than we have it now because people didn't have anything better to do at night. They would sit in the dark. Don't you think right. that's a factor? Yeah, definitely. I mean, as I pointed out before, um, men were sitting, the people would be sitting in front of a fire in their, in their fireplace, in front of their fireplace. And either the men would be whittling away at something or the women would be knitting and they'd be <laughs> staring into the fire and, and just, you know, sitting there staring into the fire in a quiet time would would somehow induce altered states of consciousness over a period of time anyway. And, and um, you know, as you say, they, we didn't have uh, computers and TV and everything else then to distract us, so uh, people were more inclined to somehow go into the trance state. But it often took a lot of practice. I know that um, Sophia Williams is one of the better direct voice mediums of the time, and it took her four, hour, or four years to really... Um, developer mediumship. I don't know how anybody has that kind of patience. I I, I bought a bought a Ouija board one time and and you know played on it for 15 minutes and nothing happened. I gave up after 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I'm, I'm not psychic at all either. I mean, I discovered I've discovered I'm a channel. I can write, but um, I certainly can't. Uh, I can only write books. We all have different gifts, but they're all aspects of the same gift, which is that everybody listening, all of us have minds much greater than we can possibly imagine. And the main reason we can't use them in these ways is we don't believe we can. And then even if we believe we can, we, we don't want to devote the time and energy necessary to doing it. But Michael, one of the things that's encouraging is that there is an increased interest, especially in England, in these old forms of communication. And um, people are working, people are willing to devote um, a couple of nights a week to doing this now. So I think we're going to see a lot more of it over the next little while. Well, I hope so. So so let's talk about some of the other kinds of, of mediumship that people may not be aware of. I mean, we have physical mediumship. We have direct voice mediumship. Could you tell us about those and how they work? Yeah, direct voice, um, a lot of people confuse that with trans voice. And the trans voice, uh, you know, as with uh, Mrs. Piper and Gladys Osborne Leonard and so forth, right. uh, the, the spirit would take control of the person and actually use her vocal cords. But in the direct voice, the voice is actually coming from somewhere above the medium, and the voice does not 
resemble the medium's voice as it might or often does in in uh, trans voice. So somehow the spirit is communicating, uh, and it usually re- requires some sort of amplification—a trumpet or a cone of some kind—to amplify the voice. Um, and as Sir Oliver Lodge said, you know, and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle both said that that the direct voice was probably the most impressive of all because, you know, the, the medium, um, and, and in the direct voice, most of the mediums did not go into trance. Some of them I di- did, I think, but uh, the majority of the best ones did not require trance. They would be sitting there talking to the person next to them as voices were coming through, you know, <laughs> over them or behind them. Right. So amazing. The, the most famous one, everyone, is Leslie Flint. And if you look him up, um, his website is full of examples. Um, some of the voices that are there, you'll know, because they're people who were entertainers or otherwise famous people in the 20th century. He worked in the, in the middle of the 20th century. Um, the one that most amazes me is Thomas Jefferson. Around 1960, he showed up. And I think it's important to explain to people how impressive this is. Dead people do not have vocal cords. They do not have, they do not speak in the afterlife. What they do is is communicate telepathically, which is what they say is much easier and more effective anyway. They think ideas to, to one another. Um, one of the things, one of the first things that Jefferson, the greatest wordsmith of his age probably, one of the things he did when he first came through Leslie Flint was to gripe about the fact that he had to get back to using words again. He said, words, 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 and none of them says what you mean, all of that, which I thought was funny given his history. But um, but what was amazing is he really did sound like he had sounded in life. I, I shared a lifetime with him, and he sounded, it was the same voice. It was amazing. One of the most amazing moments of my life was recognizing that voice. But this, this is something which, are, are there any good direct voice mediums now? Are you aware of any? I've heard of a couple in England, but I don't know how good they are. That, you know, one of the problems is that um, the parapsychologists don't seem to be interested in mediumship. Uh, and for the most part, even though the SPR still exists today, uh, I don't think much research is being done with direct voice mediums. And so we don't really hear much about it. I, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll read something on the Internet about some direct voice medium in England, but... As far as how evidential they are, how good they are, I have no idea. I think if they were very good, we would be more aware of them, at least those of us in this field. I mean, you would think that they would want to uh, to make themselves known in America, which is where the loudest the loudest clamor is always made, always made about everything. But um, but that's kind of frustrating. Now, talk about physical mediumship, which other people um, uh, have spoken of here, and, and therefore most of my listeners have heard of it. What's your view of physical mediumship? Well, we don't see much of that anymore um, either. It, it it was um, the, the SPR sort of steered away from physical mediumship too because uh, most of it had to be done in the dark. That's um, the problem. Yes. yes. Yeah, that that's the problem. Although not all of it was in the dark. Uh, people like D.D. Hume um, and Isapia Palladino they performed under candlelight. Uh, or even in red light at the time, I think. Uh, uh, most of it was in the dark and was spontaneous, and um, it just didn't um, appeal to the uh, scientists. Uh, it, it, it just it wasn't, um, couldn't be replicated. And so even James Hislop and Dr. Richard Hodson and so forth, they, they didn't want anything to do with physical mediumship, but there's enough... Uh, history on it to, to, to know that it was real, that that dead souls did materialize in seances and communicate with people. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, we've talked, we won't talk much about it today because we have talked about it uh, with, with experts previously, but it's, I think it's going to be one of the things that's going to, when, once they, they get so they can do it in light, and some of them are now training to do it in light, um, is going to be one of the ways that uh, we're able to basically shout down anyone who says the dead do not survive because, you know, you can't argue with facts. You can argue with opinions, but you cannot argue with facts. And it is right. that this works and it works very well. I think AREI, the Afterlife Research and Education Institute, of which you and I both are part, um, is is really going to make a, a, a full push to to try to make this kind of mediumship better known because 
Um, once it is being done in light uh, and being filmed, there'll be nobody who can ever say the dead don't survive. It's it's very exciting. Exciting time to be alive, Michael. It is. It is. So what? what but, you know, I, I just you know would comment as far as as the physical mediumship. One of the problems um, is that harmony seems to be a ve- uh, you know a very big factor in in all types of mediumship. Yes. And once the very skeptical, the negative researchers get in there, they they ruin the harmony, and the mediums are unable to produce. That of course, is the, such the, an important point. Um, yeah. I'd like to save it and talk about it when we come back. But that's that I think is the most important thing, perhaps, for all of everyone to understand that the intention of the medium produces and, and of the people around the medium will produce uh, the result. And when there's any negativity, it tends not to happen at all. And we'll talk about why. Meanwhile, this is Roberta Grimes on Seek Reality with Michael Tim, and we'll be right back. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes and Michael Tim. One of the things that Michael said right at the end of our previous segment is extremely important. I can't tell you how many times people will come to me and say, why can't this happen? Why can't that happen? The intent is, and this is something that the, that the, that the deep trance, I mean, the um, quantum physicists have been telling us the greatest of all, um, uh, Max Planck said it, that, you know, basically if our, if our minds are not producing whatever it is we're trying to produce, if we are resisting what's going on, something else is going to happen. Our minds are that powerful. So as you said, Michael, if there are people in the circle who are highly skeptical, very often there will be no phenomena at all, no matter how good the medium is. Talk a little more about that. Well, uh, Hamlin Garland was one of the um, um, top researchers of the early 1900s, and he would all, he often sit with a medium for two, three hours, and one, in one case, four hours um, before the harmony was... <laughs> what it was supposed to be before something started happening. Um, they'd, they'd sing songs, they'd, um, you know, pray and so forth to try and get the harmony established. Yes. But you know, often they would find that, you know, if there was a real negative person in the room, they'd have to ask the person to leave the room uh, before they'd get anything. So, you know, I I think that, you know, I, I've, I've used the baseball analogy um, a number of times. The, the home team often does better um, than the visiting team because the the vibes, so to speak, from the crowd are in their favor. Yes. And uh, you know when you when you when you go to the 
uh, enemy's ballpark, then the vibes are against you. And, and you know, it, it's uh, statistically uh, clear that, you know, the home team does better than the visiting team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is, I think this is the area of all investigation where that effect is strongest. Um, uh, very often these circles that are determined to develop phenomena will sit for six, seven, eight years before much of anything happens. And if they don't give up, things get aligned and the spirits are working with them but then they add somebody or change who's in the circle and suddenly it doesn't work again but now i want to talk about some of the other phenomena that interest you but that because this is an area where once the spirit activity is very strong all kinds of things can happen like what about levitation i know that's something that you're interested in too yeah actually i'm in the process of writing um article for Atlantis Rising Magazine, which I have done a number of articles for. They asked me to do something on levitation. I, I did an article for them about five years ago, but they wanted to, me, me to approach it from a little different angle. And the main, or the key point is, who's, when we talk about some of the old, you know, the old mediums who levitated like D.D. Hume and, and Eusapia Palladino, the tendency is to say they levitated, but the question is, did they levitate themselves or were they levitated by spirits? In other words, were, was it their subconscious mind that somehow triggering the levitation or were spirits picking them up off the floor? And that, that's what my research se- seemed to indicate is that spirits were there and were picking them up. For example, with uh, Yusapia Palladino, uh, she, one time she was sitting... Uh, in a chair at the table with uh, Dr. Um, Lombra- Lombroso on one side of her and Dr. Rocher on the other side, both of them were holding her hand um, as for control purposes to make sure her hands and you know had, they had their feet on her feet to make sure that she wasn't doing anything um, in order to, to trick everybody. But uh, all of a sudden, she started raising her chair started raising up off the floor and went up to the table as they were holding her hand. Wow. And she she was she was complaining. She says, "John, John, you're hurting me." And John, being John King, who was her, supposedly her spirit control or spirit guide, um, and she was constantly talking to John. Um, now, was she putting on an act? I mean, uh, why? You know, what, what, what's the, what would be? You know, people say that the secondary personalities like John King and Doctor Finney with Leonora Piper and and. Um, uh, all the other spirit pers- uh, secondary personalities were just, you know, sec- something in the subconscious of the medium. But the question is, why would all these secondary personalities from around the world, uh, how did they collaborate? Why did they decide to pretend that they were spirits of the dead? Why didn't the medium just take it upon herself to to be a mentalist and, you know, yes. gain fame from that? There's no, re- no real point in... No. All these people, all these secondary personalities, pretending to be spirits of the dead, and and these phenomena like levitation, also happened in the light. Um, I don't. I've read so many books uh, over the decades, but I remember reading about one of them where some extremely good male. Um, a physical medium or, or, or a deep trance medium, before the seance got started, um, he wanted to demonstrate something to the people in the room. He said, "Open the windows," and they did, and he lay down on some something, some kind of a of a of a uh, maybe a a cot or something, and w- closed his eyes, and the cot lifted up, went out one of the windows lengthwise, turned around in the air, second story, and came back in and sat down. He had discovered that they would do that, that they would levitate him out of a window and back in again. I never saw, I never heard of that happening. But but the person who wrote this book, I don't remember who it was. I read it decades ago said that this was the kind of thing this young man could do uh, because he was that powerful. But you're saying, really, it was his his spirit guides who were doing that, and they were doing it to prove uh, that they were there and, and how powerful their connection was to him, something like right. that. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Oh, the whole thing is so astonishing. So where do you think this is going? Do you see that there will be increased interest in this in these fields, or or are you... What's your sense? What's your sense about the next steps? I'm I'm actually sort of pessimistic. I don't 
uh, I don't see that much progress being made. I mean, back in around 1990 or 1995, I thought that by this time we'd be much further along than we are, but um, um, I, I just don't see it. I, I think I, we're becoming more, more materialistic along the way and more hedonistic, and, and um, so I'm not optimistic. Well, I'm more optimistic than you are, dear, but maybe that's just because uh, I, that's my nature. But I, I think what's going to happen is that we're going to get good electronic communication first. And once we know they're there, I think there'll be a lot, of, a lot more interest in all the various ways that they can manifest. And then there are people waiting, there are people working in these fields right now, and you and I know some of them. So my hope is that once people start becoming very interested in the fact that there really are dead people and they never did die after all, uh, maybe then all of this will come back. But now let's talk a little bit about this book you found, The Survival of the Soul and Its Evolution After Death, by Mr. or Monsieur Cornelier. Tell us about it. You, you you discovered it because somebody else listed it in some old book. Yeah, I was reading uh, Dr. Robert Crookall, who He was a um, researcher back during the 1940s and 1950s. Uh, he mentioned it in one of his books as... Um, you know, his primary reference, the best book he had read, I had never heard of it. I thought I had all the good books. I have a library of about uh, a thousand books, and I think uh, 500 of them are before 19, published before 1950. And I'd never heard of this one. Um, so anyway, I, I looked it up and found a copy. I had to pay $80, I think, <laughs> to wow. get a copy, but it was w well worth it. Um, uh, and uh, what it what it involves uh, the the author as you said is is Pierre Emile Cornelier I guess I'm pronouncing that right mm -hmm. uh, he was a he was a French artist is apparently a very good one and if you look him up on the internet he's you know it shows a lot of his paintings at the time but he had a uh, model named Ren R E I N uh, 18 years old who over a period of a year or so he realized that she had some some kind of psychic abilities he wasn't sure. He, he had been reading all the uh, psychical research material at the time, was very familiar with uh, the writings of Sir Oliver Lodge and Dr. Charles Rocher and so forth. So he knew something about mediumship, and he decided to experiment with um, uh, table tipping, and they, they got immediate results. Um, and over, you know, after uh, about the fifth sitting he had. He had 106 sittings documented in the book altogether over a period of about four years from 1912 to 1916. The book got delayed to 1921 because of World War I. Um, but he, he documented everything. He took you know detailed notes and documented everything. And what I liked particularly about the book was that he, he discusses all the obstacles to mediumship. Uh, most of the authors, you know, they'll allude to it or touch upon it, but they don't go into a lot of detail. But um, uh, Cornelier um, detailed all the problems he was having in communicating, and to me that was what really made the book um, important and <laughs> why I put it on the top of my list. Well, start. we have just a couple of minutes left in this segment, but talk a little bit about what those problems of communication are that he mentioned. Okay, well, I actually listed... Um, 15 of them. I don't know how much time we got to go into all 15 of them. But, Let's uh, do a couple now. We'll do some more after the break. What are some of the yeah. biggest ones? Well, I mean, the, the biggest one, and, you know, it's one that comes through with other researchers, too, is, is uh, color, coloring by the medium's subconscious mind. So that that when the, the medium is in trance, she, does, she or he doesn't know, you know, what's coming out of her mouth or coming through her hand or however it's coming through. And the subconscious mind somehow influences what's coming through. And, and again, depending on the degree of trance the person is in, um, much of the medium's own thoughts will come through, and it's hard to separate what the medium is thinking uh, as opposed to what the spirit communicating is trying to say. That, that, that's, the, that's the primary one, I think. What's, it, what are, what's another one? Um, second one I've got listed here is devious earthbound spirits uh, during oh, their first three or four. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're saying earthbounds get in the way, and and they get in the way. They they can communicate more easily than than um, more advanced spirits because their vibration is closer to 
uh, our vibration than, than the more advanced spirits. So they, there's a lot of, quote, foolish earthbound spirits, um, you know, interfering with the communication, according to what Cornelier documented, what many other researchers have documented. Wow. Another one. Um, well, uh, this this ties in with the one I just talked about through. I've got to sit here. The high, higher spirits, the higher the spirit, the more difficult difficult it is for them to communicate because their vibrations are so out of tune with us. Yes. So these higher spirits um, don't come through as as easily or as often as uh, the lower spirits. Yeah, yeah, that we we've talked about that here also. I mean, that can be a very serious problem. Um, and and uh, do they do they have trouble? With, does what they try to say get colored by lower spirits too? Yeah, yeah, that's another one I had listed here. And that you know that often the higher spirits have to employ, for lack of a better word, employ a middle level spirit to relay messages onto the to uh, the sitters or, or through the medium's mind. So there's a distort, the, the, the mid-level spirit, let's just say, I mean, to, 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 uh, for symbolically, we say there's seven levels in the afterlife and we have a six-level spirit trying to communicate with somebody uh, on the earth, in the earth realm. Uh, you might have to employ a third or fourth level spirit to, to relay the message on and there's distortion taking place between what... <laughs> <laughs> He's, he or she is trying to communicate, and, and then the mid-level spirit messes it up, and <laughs> as it comes through the medium's mind, it's, it's further distorted. And so the, the, the spirits are playing telephone. We're going to come back, and we're going to hear about some more of these problems. I think it's important to understand them. Meanwhile, Roberta Grimes, Seek Reality with Michael Tim. We're right back. Earth is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations, yet viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself, finding safe passage through challenging times? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School with Great News, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family. Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow are a series of online adult and children's lessons instructing your entire family on natural law, how to cooperate with and be supported by the powers of the universe. Visit findyourpathhome.com to find these unique and powerful classes. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes and our wonderful guest, Michael Tim. Michael was talking about some of this, the things the spirits say about why it's so hard to make communication between here and their work, and or there and her here, I really should say, work. So let's hear some more, Michael, because I think it's important to understand this is not easy for them to do. 
Yeah, as I said, I've got 15 of them listed here, and the fourth one I have is that spirits, uh, according to Cornelier, um, not all spirits are interested in communicating with Earth. Um, and at a certain point, some of them have evolved um, where they have no really close loved ones left on the Earth planes. Uh, they have no no interest in coming back. I I sat with a transmedium about uh, 18 years ago, and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle supposedly came through. And I wow. wondered, Jesus, why is Sir Arthur still around here? Or you know, uh, yeah. or is this an imposter of some kind? That's another thing. The, the, so the devious, uh, low-level spirits sometimes um, personate <laughs> well-known spirits. So you never yes. know for sure. But um, in this particular case. Uh, the, the person had a local was a local di- dialect, and all of a sudden changed to a thick Scottish accent. And you know, his eyes rolled back in his head before um, he started talking in this Scottish accent. And it's very realistic, um, but uh, I'm still a skeptic as to whether it was actually Sir Arthur Conan Doyle or not. Yeah, that, well, that's time, time factor. Well, and and uh, another thing to think about in that is that since nobody knew him personally, there was no little personal secret he could have shared that anyone would have understood. So I can see it's hard to establish that you're real in a situation like that. So right, that's right, right, that's right. a very good one. Well, let's have another one, a couple of them. Okay, the medium's evolution is also a factor. Uh, if the, if the medium herself is very advanced, she can reach higher into the realms, and contact more advanced spirits um, without the the relay person in the middle. Whereas if the medium is not an advanced person, or a highly evolved person, I should say, um, he or she can only, you know, raise her vibrations to a certain extent, and that limits the extent to which she can contact advanced spirits. Another factor in that, of course, is that People living in the afterlife don't really know what's going on above them, only maybe by hearsay. And so, <coughs> pardon me, lower level spirits will very often tell us things that simply we know are not true, but they believe those things because they don't really know enough. I mean, we tend right, to think right. you die, you know everything, but you really, really don't. Is there anything you want people really especially to know about this whole subject? Well, you know, it's a combination of all these these fifteen, and there are, pro- there are much more than fifteen when we get into physical mediumship. But but one of the things you just mentioned is that spirits don't necessarily hold on to all the petty details of their earth lives. Um, they're not all knowing, not all powerful, and they have their limitations. Uh, you know, I can't. You know, I met somebody the other day um, um, down the street from me who I talked to, but I cannot remember his name now. And you know. <laughs> It's no different in the spirit world, from what I understand, as far as remembering facts, remembering names. Uh, and they've had uh, many you know, lifetimes. I, I don't know that um, I'd even know what I looked like when I was a kid or in my younger years if I didn't have photographs. And you know, That's going right. back to physical mediumship and and materializations, one of the problems was that that the materializations didn't always look like the people that they were or, or were remembered by the people, the, the people, the sitters said, no, that didn't look like my father, or it didn't quite look like my father, my mother, whatever. And the reason was that the spirits didn't have, they had to picture themselves and project that picture in their minds into the ectoplasm, (laughs) and they didn't always, you know, have a clear picture of what they look like, especially before photography. Photography didn't become big until, you know, the 1840s, the 1850s, and many people who died before then had no idea what they looked like other than, you know, not a fixed image anyway. They might have been uh-huh. mirrors of some quality back then, or they might have looked in a stream or a pond and got some reflection back. But the majority of people uh, from, you know, the early um, 18th, 19th century and 18th century, they didn't know what they looked like. So uh-huh. when we, we, we people complain that, you know, they didn't look like they should have looked, that, that is one of the reasons. Yeah. No, it, this is this is um, an area where I think I and I'm more optimistic than you are. I really believe that the spirits are working hard. They tell us they are to to make it so that we all understand that life is eternal because they're trying so hard to raise the vibration of the planet. So I think things are are this is going to become an, an area where there's much more interest and we're going to start to get real results. But if people want to to communicate with you, what is your do you have a website? 
Uh, I just use the White Crow, whitecrowbooks.com, which is, which is my blog. I don't have a website other than that. Can they contact you through the blog? Yes, huh? Oh, great. Okay. And we talked about, we talked, John Beecher was our guest a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, he talked a lot about his uh, wonderful publishing house, White Crow Books. And Michael is one of the really great people that, that he publishes. Uh, everything that I've seen that's come out of White Crow has been first rate. So, uh, and now there's another book out of White Crow, The Survival of the Soul and Its Evolution After Death. If this area interests you, I've, I've begun to read it, but there's so much there that it's taken me a while to get through it, Michael. But I, it's, a, it's a book which I think is kind of indispensable for people who are serious about trying to understand um, the process and also understand what's going on. I mean, these people were, were communicating um, directly from the afterlife in a, in a very powerful way. Very, very wonderful book. Um, mm-hmm. And as I said, as Michael says, it certainly helps people understand, uh, you know, what the issues have been. Well, there are other books that Michael has written that I would like to be able to talk about a bit more. They're older books, but I recommend anything that Michael Tim, and his name is spelled T-Y-M-N, where there's an N. It's like him. It rhymes with him, Michael Tim. Anything he has written is terrific. And partly they're terrific because he writes so well. They're always entertaining. Um, You know, if you read something that's dry as toast, you're not as likely to want to pick up anything more by that person. But everything Michael writes is is really alive and very entertaining. So thank you so much for joining us, Michael. I'm so glad we were to get to be together today. And uh, we'll we'll, we'll do this again. And with one, I'd like to talk about uh, the White Crow. Um, and we'll, that's a whole nother topic. The white crow is, of course, the medium who everyone who who proves that all of this is real. And uh, and my, there's a he wrote an excellent book about Leonora Piper. So we'll talk about that. But meanwhile, consider yourself hugged, Michael. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We'll, we'll talk again soon. OK, everyone, as you know, this has been Roberta Grimes and we are talking um, as every week on Seek Reality, about the different kinds of things. It's very important that you know if you're trying to understand what's true. But the most important thing for you ever to remember is this one thing. You, you, you in particular, are a powerful, eternal being. You never began, you never will end. And when you really get what that means, and the more you research, the better you're going to get it. When you get what that means, it will change everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guest will be your host, I've developed the habit of giving Jesus a birthday gift each year by sharing with you more details about the genuine Jesus of the Gospels. Jesus is the greatest spiritual teacher of all, and he did not start the Christian religion. He certainly is no Christian now. He deserves to be known and loved for himself, for his beautifully simple gospel words, and for the fact that actually following his teachings is the surest route to rapid spiritual growth that there is. For all of this, it's very important for us to know him personally, and that's what he wants. And he's very personal to me. He's the reason why I came out of the old Christianity. I loved Christianity. Oh my, I can't even tell you how many hymns I can sing by heart. I always loved it. But I came to the point when I understood that it isn't following Jesus, and I could, I could choose you know, to be a Christian all my life and not think about things, or I could choose to follow Jesus. I chose Jesus, and that transformed my life. And now... In my dotage, I'm working harder than I ever did, and I'm working for him. He is the reason, the the ultimate reason why I do everything that I do. I gave the rest of my life to him. And please join me next week for a very personal conversation. Let's sing together a love song to the Son of Man, the incarnation of God on earth. That's actually what Jesus came to be, and the greatest spiritual teacher who ever has lived. And, of course, this week we've been talking with the greatest, I think, living afterlife expert, my personal hero, Michael Tim. He's a meticulous scholar, and every one of his books is wonderful. This week we've talked in particular about that peculiar book he's discovered called The Survival of the Soul and Its Evolution After Death by Cornelia. Just anything that he's written with White Crow, um, you're you're, you're just going to love. Um, Michael is right. That book is extraordinary, but frankly, um, he's extraordinary, too. As you know, I've written some books, and they include 
nonfiction, of course, Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and for Young Children, my book just out is The Fun of Meeting Jesus. I am hearing from parents who love this book, and they say their children do too. All my books you can get through bookstores or on Amazon.com, and everything but the children's book is available. It's an audio book, and they're available in languages worldwide, so you've got no excuse. You can read them all. Meanwhile, if you want to talk about anything that I talk about, any of my books, any of my podcasts, anything, you always can reach me through robertagrimes.com. Just go to the contact block, make sure you give me your email address, and within the week you will hear back from me. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available on webtalkradio.net, on Dream Vision 7 Radio, and all of their stations, and of course on the um, Seek Reality app, free in the iTunes store. Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you, you are a powerful, eternal being, and you in particular are infinitely loved.